everyone, and welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for joining us after a short break, and uh, we're glad to be back. Yeah, I miss this a lot. Last week, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the anime that was summoned from our phones is called Devil Survivor 2, the animation. So uh, we've discussed the Shin Megami Tensei series a little bit before. Uh, You are familiar with our Persona episode uh, about Persona 4, the golden animation. This comes from the same kind of studio, and uh, it's a big series of games made by Atlas, uh, or at least published by Atlas. I think it's both. And uh, the Shin Megami Tensei games are more like traditional JRPGs. Uh, The Persona games later introduce social elements, especially in Persona 3, 4, and 5. And then there's a whole bunch of spinoffs with Persona, including like rhythm games and fighting games and different kinds of dungeon crawlers and things like that. Uh, The Devil Survivor series are tactical RPGs that were on Nintendo DS. And I believe that there were just two of them. Uh, So this is Devil Survivor 2, uh, and there's the anime based on that, uh, that video game, and that is what we're watching. Uh, The video game came out in 2012 in the U.S., and the 13-episode anime series premiered in 2013. It is worth noting ahead of time that this game and the anime that is based on it are totally isolated from the first Devil Survivor game. Uh, While they share, like, the same gameplay and themes, the fact that this is Devil Survivor 2 doesn't mean that you have to know anything about the first one. All right, Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis? I would. The line between the spiritual world and the physical world grows thinner as demons start to bleed into our world, leaving destruction in their wake. Through a sudden series of abnormal events, Hibiki and his friends find themselves at the front lines of this battle to protect the world they once knew. But are they fighting on the right team? Where to start? Um, Okay, so you mentioned Hibiki is kind of the main character for the show. And he's got a couple of friends who also join him for most of the show that we've seen so far. Uh, He has a friend named Daichi and a friend named Io, and they are both students at the same school. And uh, Io, I don't think they knew as well. Uh, It seems that Hibiki and Daichi kind of knew each other. And Eo was their classmate who just kind of showed up at the same time in the first episode. Uh, The whole series kind of kicks off with all of them looking at this website that is basically like supposedly showing images of the death of people moments before it happens. And no surprise, they see themselves in the app and they see they witness like this gruesome death of them dying at a train station. Which they're currently at. Ooh, spooky. Mm-hmm. It's pretty predictable from there. Uh, I would say the train accident happens, and they're like, OMG, this was predicted. We should have left a long time ago. And all of these people die in this train accident, but Hibiki is special, and he gets this magic app that saves his life. And... His friends also get their lives saved by the same app. Yeah, that's how they first find Eo is that she was um, also part of this accident. But at the time of the accident, this app installs itself on their phones and allows them basically like an escape route. 
which is really unclear. Like, it seems like they made like a pack with the devil, kind of. It seems so, yeah. But not super clear. Yeah, and, and like the whole thing that happens in the show is that these people now have the ability through this app that installed itself to summon demons from hell, the other world, I don't, somewhere. And that allows them to, like, fight these aliens that come in later. But this whole thing of them being saved at this this key moment is never addressed again. And nobody else in the show talks about it. It's just these three people. Yeah, I'm curious to know if this is, like, a common thing. Like, this is how you become a summoner. It doesn't seem like it because there's lots of summoners. Yeah, there's so many of them. I can't imagine that all of them have survived near-death experiences, Yeah, but it it does seem strange that they don't really talk about it, especially considering that the timeline of the series is very short. Yeah. It's happening, each episode is like a few hours within a day. Yeah, I think the whole series is supposed to take place over a week. So we start with, you mentioned last week when we rolled the, the episode, it's called like Melancholy Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the next three episodes that we watched were all on Monday. Mm -hmm. And it concludes back at Sunday, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the fact that they're not talking about this accident is kind of strange. It is. Yeah. Speaking of how the show takes place over a week, this sounds like a pretty good idea. A lot of the problems that people have with the Persona animes is that they are cramming 100 hours worth of a game into a short series of episodes. And those games take place over a year. You are living the life of this student who is fighting these monsters uh, over the course of a year of their life. And, you know, maybe if you just shrink that to a a week, maybe that'll make a better anime. Uh, I still felt that sometimes this had pacing issues, but it, it does seem to be substantially better than the Persona adaptations. Yeah, I, I think now we're dealing with a different problem. So instead of saying like, oh man, I feel like I'm missing huge chunks, now you're not dealing with advancing characters because this has only been a week of their life. Like they're not going to radically grow or change in any way because it's only been a few days. But even so, given how much more time they have to work with... I'm pretty surprised at how little we know about who these characters are. Yeah, definitely. I kind of jokingly just like wrote down little identifiers for these characters for in my notes so that I knew the name of the character and then <laughs> how I could identify them. And it's pretty much Hibiki is the main one. Daichi is the friend. Io is the female one. <laughs> and that's about all that I know about them. Yeah, personality-wise, there's not a whole lot going on because we've literally seen 24 hours of their life. So they're not going to reveal huge parts about who they are and what their motivations are because everything is just happening, like one thing after another. And maybe that's more realistic, but... I would expect the typical anime thing, which is, let me explain everything <laughs> to you in this two minutes that we're talking. Yeah. But no, that that doesn't happen. It, it kind of just jumps right into the action of things. Um, one thing I wanted to say about kind of the pacing of this is that a lot of the beats 
uh, that are going on in this show are pretty predictable. Uh, kind of like you were saying uh, earlier with, you know, they're on the platform of the train and they open the app and they see, like, that their own deaths. Like, all of those things were really easy to say, like, okay, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then this. And that happened throughout all four episodes. And I couldn't really tell if this is because I'm familiar with the franchise and, you know, I I just know how, like, the Persona games work versus if this is just, you know, predictable pacing. I'm not 100% sure either. Um, these games are slightly different than Persona, but at the same time, like, the SMT franchise utilizes the same kind of basic themes, including all of the monster designs for every single game. So when we talk about, like, they're summoning demons, these are the same things that we see in Persona. They're what you would call shadows in that game. And likewise, they use them in similar ways. They're like an extension of the person. And so, yeah, maybe that part of things is really familiar to us as people who have played the games before. And then kind of the pieces around that are maybe just a little bit generic to the point that you kind of can expect what's coming. Sure, which is kind of making me, in good ways and maybe bad ways, rethink some of my favorite parts of the Persona games and think, were these parts really special or did I just really enjoy these games? But part of what I love about the Persona games are the characters. And that was a little bit harder to get into with this series. Yeah, I would agree. So that's kind of what makes the Persona games difficult to turn into an anime, is that so much of it is about the social aspects. 90% of the game is you hanging out at school and trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my day? And then, you know, the dungeon crawling at night is just like this thing that you have to do to get through the game. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all fun, but the focus is on your characters. And these being a tactical RPG, it seems more focused on the fighting. And so we see a whole lot of fighting in this show. And while those fights are pretty spectacular, um, it gives us very little room to like explore the characters. Yeah. So even with the main character, Hiwiki, we don't know a lot about him. We don't really get to experience much of his personality. Other than that, it seems like he's kind of being put in this war unwillingly like he's just sort of accepted okay this is my lot and I just have to do this and we see little things like we see some of the tactical decisions that he makes some of the mistakes that he makes and his reactions to those choices but other than that I, I really couldn't tell you much about who he is or like is he is he an impulsive character or did he just make this one impulsive decision is he a really thoughtful character or has he just been, you know, thrown in the middle of a war and he's just trying to survive? I couldn't really tell you either way. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure about those things either. And and that's the main character. And the problem is each character after him just becomes less and less so that they're kind of just flat and shadows of what else is there. And OK, so circling back a little bit to the story, now that we've kind of introduced the characters, 
um, what happens in the train station after they go through this whole thing where they end up with this app that allows them to summon demons. It seems like the, the actual train accident wasn't just like a train accident. It was actually caused by other demons running rampant through the stations. So there are like demons eating people in this train station when all of this is going on. Eventually, these characters get topside, and everything has kind of gone crazy up on the surface, too. And pretty much right away, they encounter some some enemies who, I don't know, there appear to be both demons and, like, these alien creatures that they're fighting. And they start, like, summoning their, their demons to fight these things for them. And immediately, they are noticed by this shady organization uh, <laughs> who knows all about this stuff that's going on, and they also have summoners. Yeah, like hordes and hordes of them. And at one point, they talk about how they're a separate entity than the government, but it seems like they work alongside them. They, I think, like call themselves the J- Japanese Meteorological Society or something. Yes. It's like real government. <laughs> It's very government, mm-hmm. but they're not government. Yeah, given their shadiness. But they are. <laughs> so one thing I would say about the overall kind of tone of this show is that it is definitely supposed to be really kind of dark and depressing, uh, much more so than Persona. Uh, in the Persona games, there are like murders happening and there's this kind of dark aspect of things, but most of that game is like them confronting their own, the darkness in themselves and overcoming that. And kind of the stuff around it and the bad guys aren't really like this huge thing. In this show, however, this is the kind of show where like thousands of people get vaporized and nobody blinks an eye. Uh, and, you know, cities are being destroyed and, and uh, lots of people are being sacrificed for these to defeat these alien things. And it's just kind of accepted, even though apparently like none of this has happened before. This is all very sudden. Well, and I think if you even think about the fact that these kids, I'm guessing high school ish kids downloaded an app in which they could view people that they know die. And that was like a kind of fun but gruesome thing that more than just these three kids were interested in. Yeah, there were plenty of people talking about it kind of right at the beginning of the show. Yeah, so I feel like it would be interesting to see if the show ever talks about how dark the world was even before these demons started invading. And if that had anything to do with why these worlds are now interacting so strongly. All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for our character and plot discussion. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And welcome back. All right, Caleb, would you like to kick off our discussion on the animation and production values? Yeah, absolutely. So I really like the character designs in this show. 
they are drawn in the same way that all the Persona characters have been drawn. So they tend to have fairly large heads, very slender bodies, super long legs. And some form of weird neck wear. Yes. <laughs> um, but that being said is, while that may sound weird, it aesthetically works because all the characters are drawn this way. It's very consistent and it's a stylistic thing and it works for the show. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. Um, Daichi is probably the exception for being like the most generic looking character. Um, but otherwise, there there is a good consistency to their style. Uh, so that that is good. Uh, there is one character I think we both wanted to talk about. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when they join up with this organization of other people who summon demons, uh, there are two other demon summoners who the main characters interact with within these these few episodes that we saw. One is Hinako and one is Keita. Hinako, in my list of identifiers next to the character names in my notes, uh, is called No Clothes Lady, and Keita is called Dead Guy. <laughs> yeah, Hinako, her attire does not make sense in that I don't think that it is possible for her clothes to work the way that they're drawn. Like, she's sort of wearing this, like, open bra thing as her top, and then she's just wearing, like, some boy shorts as pants, and she wears this weird bed sheet <laughs> around her legs mm -hmm. and kind of draping over her arms. She also has a big fluff right around her neck. Yeah. So open bra, but she, you know, her neck gets cold. Well, so yeah, you got to keep your neck warm. No, she is just there for sex appeal. Yeah, for sure. Like both of these characters are meaningless. Uh, Keita, obviously, because like he shows up on the scene and five minutes later he's dead and somehow we're supposed to feel sorry for him or sad about him dying, uh, even though he was kind of a jerk the whole time. But Hinako, for sure, like, she doesn't add anything to the team or to the story, so she just kind of is there to look like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, so we already talked about how the the demons in the show are basically the same as the, the Persona characters, so that I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot new or interesting to talk about there. There are these creatures in the show that... I am not going to bother trying to pronounce their names, but they're <laughs> aliens for all intents and purposes. And they are very, very similar to the, the angels in Evangelion. You can see this in like the way that they shapeshift and the sorts of attacks that they use and kind of like their overall size and destructive power and how they're weird and angular. Um, so I, I thought that was, it's it's unique for the Persona series for sure. Like, that's not something I've seen in, in Shin Megami Tensei games. But it definitely seems to draw inspiration from other, like, kind of big mech shows, maybe. Which is funny, because this isn't, uh, other than having those kind of monsters, is this isn't a mech show at all. No, and, and it's kind of kind of interesting how it balances between the stuff that's happening on the ground with these demons fighting each other versus the big mass destruction, which is their ultimate goal of defeating. I think the show did a really good job of designing characters and monsters in a way that 
can be distinctive. So like you're talking about with the monsters is you can tell the difference with even the ranking of the different demons by their presentation. So, you know, there's there's even the big tiger thing that Hibiki summons that's supposed to be like incredible. Super powerful. Right. And then you see the ones that his friends summon and they're little dinky imps yeah, it's... and cute little monster looking things. Uh-huh. It's basically like the Jack Frost from yeah. Persona. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that part does really well for the show because you could instantly identify this is something different. Something has gone horribly wrong. I you you think you have an idea of like how the show's gonna go until you see one of these alien creatures come up and then you're like, oh, oh, like these other demons are small game. Something terrible is happening. And this actually leads to some pretty funny design kind of stuff in terms of the the actual battle sequences. Uh, because what ends up happening is when these big aliens come, every demon summoner that they can find at this organization, uh, like sticks their phone up in the air and points it in the sky and is like, <laughs> we got to kill the alien. And you're thinking like, do they do they control the demon with their phone? I don't think they do. The demons are autonomous. Like they, they seem to just fight on their own. But every character seems to point their phone at the demon while they're fighting with it. That part was a little inconsistent because there were times when it seemed like they could just call out to their demon and their demon would respond. And there's other times when you do see them like actively texting in the app that has the demon summoning in it. I don't know if it has to do with like the power of the demon that you summon, like the stronger they are, maybe the more autonomous they are, but it was not it was not clear. Um so there was one other thing I wanted to say about Hibiki uh that I thought was really interesting and I don't know if you notice this. Um he as the protagonist is drawn the complete opposite as the two well what i think are the two antagonists um hibiki has very dark black hair and he predominantly wears like white and blue like his jumpsuit rabbit eared jacket thing that he has is like white and blue and the two kind of not quite evil dudes but might be evil dudes that part's unclear we haven't gotten there yet perhaps anti-heroes perhaps they both have white hair and they predominantly wear black and red. And that was very interesting to me that they made such strong character choices in that regard. And it made me try to look for more of that throughout the show when I realized it. And I really felt like the animators did a good job of not making everything so black and white, but adding enough symbolism into the actual character designs that I feel like I'm going to learn a lot more about the characters just by looking at them than them dumping a whole bunch of dialogue. And I bet that worked out especially well in the games because um, with these being DS games, they were typically just like character portraits with some text under them. So if you saw like the main character and one of the anti-heroes interacting with each other, you would see the protagonist on the left side of the screen and the bad guy on the right side of the screen, and you would immediately see that contrast because they are right next to each other. And it it works well for the show. And it'll be interesting to see them like interact more. 
um, because Hibiki's only interacted with one of them in the first four episodes. And even that contrast has been interesting and dynamic to see in the show. In terms of the animation itself, um, I felt that the quality was really good. Um, there were there are a lot of dark scenes in this show, uh, especially with fight sequences. There's just a lot of, uh, including like them being underground for this whole train thing. Everything is very dark, and um, we we said how the first three episodes are all happening on Monday. I would expect to see a little bit more variation in in the way things look, especially if you know the third episode is at night and the first episode is supposed to be in the morning. But the, the kind of backgrounds and overall contrast of the scenes didn't really change a whole lot. Uh, other than that, I thought the, the fluidity of the animation itself and like the consistency of the, the, the quality was really good. Yeah, and especially with a show that is so heavy on its fight scenes, it was really nice to see the fight scenes be coherent. So all the way through, you were able to really tell what was going on if that's what they wanted. There were times when like there's that mass chaos that you were talking about and it's sort of drawn in a way that like so much is happening that you do kind of lose sense of it, but that felt more intentional than how sometimes shows try to use that as like a shortcut to not animate well and this show didn't feel like it did that. So something that the show does seem to do and we've we've talked about how Keita came in and pretty quickly uh, exited the show and we've talked about how there are kind of mass destruction sequences where a lot of people die. Uh, the show does seem to be setting up a, a kind of thing where characters are going to come and go frequently. Uh, so when a character is introduced, I, I don't know if they're going to be like a long-term character that we're going to stick with or if they're going to be gone by the end of the episode. And uh, I didn't notice this myself, but something I, I read that happens in terms of the animation is that if you watch the ending sequence for the first episode, every single character is shown. And as characters die, they are removed from the ending animation. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look now. Uh, so that that I think is something interesting that we can kind of see up front who all the people we might interact with in the show are, and not have really an idea of who we're gonna end up sticking with. Which is interesting because I did note that in the intro, he was still in the intro in the episode after he had died. Yeah. So it's interesting that they kept him in the intro, but removed him in the outro. Right, because they can't give away for that episode that he's going to die. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about the music? I thought it was pretty unremarkable overall. Um, obviously, the Persona series is known for its music. Um, it's extremely good, especially in the games. And I think I remember noting when we watched the anime version that it didn't quite come through the way that it does in the games. And so I don't I don't want to fault the show too much for, you know, maybe the, the game had really great music and it just wasn't handled as well in this show. Uh, but overall, I kind of left not really thinking much of it. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. I, I did note that the the intro I, I liked, it did feel a little out of place just because the music for the intro is kind of upbeat feeling, which is strange for such a a dark themed show. But 
I did feel like, okay, this music has a lot of momentum. It has a lot of drive. It's it's very high energy, which could make sense for the show. It just felt like tone-wise a little off, but it was still enjoyable. All right. Would you like to give us your general thoughts? Yeah. So we just started touching on this a little bit, but the pacing in this show is really strange. I There, there are times when you can really feel the chaos that is going on in this world because this is just happening to them. Like as you're watching it, it's it's almost like you're watching it in real time as the characters are experiencing it because it's just a few hours that you're experiencing with them through each episode. And and it has a problem of coming off as emotionally flat because you're just experiencing these events with these kids is that when when Cato dies you're just sort of like, okay, we just met this kid like five minutes ago. like, And the characters are really upset about it. And it ends up being a whole thing in the next episode about how upset Hibiki is about it. And you're just kind of like, well, you just met him. And if we're going off the timing of the show, you literally just met him like a couple hours ago. Right. And you've also, in those few hours, seen thousands of people die right in front of you. Uh, people who didn't have the abilities that you have to fight for themselves, like innocent people. So I can't tell if the show is trying to fix the problem that happened with the Persona anime series in that it tried to cram too much into a smaller amount of time and they overdid it a little bit, um, or if this is the pacing in the game as well. And maybe there's a purpose to the character's death coming off of that way maybe there's purpose behind it it's really it's really hard to tell but for me it felt like such a shame because you get tossed this character and they kind of try to make you care about him they kind of try to have some character growth but because it was only a few minutes of the show I, I really I really couldn't care yeah one thing that this show does not have that is kind of what Persona is known for is charm. This is a show that's dark and menacing, and that's okay. I, I like some of those shows for sure. But a lot of those, you think of even like Stranger Things or something where there's this town that you're in and there's monsters running around, but the core of, of what is happening is still about the characters and how they are developing and working through this difficult situation. This show doesn't allow for that um, because within minutes of the show starting, the characters and the world around them are complete chaos. Uh, there's no quiet, there's no downtime. It's just one scene after another of destruction and fighting. And so I don't see any room for characters. Uh, and that's going to be difficult for me if I were to move forward in this show because I, I know that I don't really think that there's going to be much space for that. Now, the good news is the fights were good. Like, they did do a good job of, of making those sequences fun to watch, and you're pretty interested in if they're going to be able to pull this off in a week um, worth of show. But I do have trouble getting around the fact that um, the character development just isn't going to be there the same way that I might expect from a Persona series. Yeah, this is the part that is maybe challenging for us because we have so much experience with the Persona series. 
is having to remind ourselves that this isn't persona and that this is a different series and maybe we have to approach it differently. And I don't know if that's hurting us or helping us in watching this show. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either, but the fact that the franchise continues to use the same creatures for every series, even when they're different, um, makes it hard to get around that because... If I see Jack Frost in a show, I think Persona. Like, I don't think of this dark and gloomy thing. I think of a a really fun series where these people are trying to figure out their lives. And I think also kind of in the same way, there's a real lack of explanation for what's happening uh, because there's also no time for that. And it's easy to fault a show for giving you too much explanation, uh, whether that's through narration or big monologues, but... All of these characters are thrown into this scenario where they have zero experience and it's very sudden and like this organization shows up and basically makes them their slaves and it's all just accepted as facts. Oh hey, there's big aliens and they're destroying the city. Oh hey, we can summon demons and now they're running around the city. Okay, I guess we're in this fight now. Uh, this is also making me think of Evangelion in this way. Because the same thing happens in that show. It feels like to me. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree strongly because... Ooh, you just gave me a face. <laughs> uh, uh, the lead up to Evangelion is many, many years of destruction. A large portion of the planet has actually been wiped out by the beginning of that show because of the alien uh, infestation. Well, see, this is what happens when you only <laughs> watch parts of it. So, like... Shinji being thrown into the robot is like, well, I knew there were robots and I knew that there were aliens. Okay, fair enough. But his reluctance to it feels very similar. Yes, for sure. All right. All of that said, uh, would you like to answer our final question? (laughs) Would you watch more of this? So I'm going to say yes for the show. I do recognize that I have some bias being personally invested in a lot of the persona things, but... I do find this show engaging, Um, even though it is different, even though there's not as much focus on the characters. I am interested in what can happen with Hibiki specifically, because this character feels very different than the Persona protagonist, because in those games, the protagonist embraces like his fate. He embraces that he's going to go into these battles that he's going to have to fight for what's right and put himself into danger to do that. And this main character is not like that. Uh, he's he's really struggling with this idea that he is now in the middle of this war and he doesn't know what it's for. He doesn't know why it's happening. And he's just freaked out by the fact that people keep dying around him. And while I'm not invested in the other characters... I feel like I'm invested in him. And even though I don't know every little thing about him, I feel like I'm going to be excited about where his character is going in such a short amount of time. And I'd be willing to give this show a shot. I put down maybe. And I think kind of there's a a practical element to that is that it's a short series. Uh, I'm not going to be looking at investing you know, 100 hours worth of a Persona game, I'm looking at 13 episodes of a digestible show that so far I've, like, enjoyed watching. I have a problem with the characters and the fact that they're not explored as much as 
I might expect them to be, uh, or even just the fact that they haven't left room open for that. But, like, I haven't been turned off of this show from what I've seen so far. Uh, so there's, there's like, the practical investment isn't that big of an ask, uh, especially if I get, you know, a few more episodes into it and it's still going okay. Aside from that, like, like you said, there, there is some interest in the main character and seeing his story. I'm actually more interested in the antagonist stories. Mm. Um, I think they're kind of starting to open up uh, a little bit of room for those characters to grow, possibly even more than the main characters. And uh, I think that could be really interesting if we know almost nothing about the main character in his story, uh, but we get this cool exploration of what makes the bad guys tick. That would be different, and that, that would probably set this show apart from a lot of shows and even from the Persona games. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and uh, we're glad to be back. Yeah. If only this could be our full-time jobs all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to podcast at anamonday.moe. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Our username is anamondaycast. And you can find links for that on our website. Thanks so much to Crunchyroll for providing all of the anime that you have provided. Uh, we have so much fun every week watching uh, weird and random things and <laughs> enjoying some of them and not enjoying others. And uh, that's the great thing about the random button. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, if you want to follow along with us each week by watching the show that we're watching, we'll have links to the current title on our website and we'll post them on social media. Thanks also to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show. And uh, be sure to check him out. Hit his Bandcamp page and Spotify and places like that. Are you ready to roll? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Random button in three, two, one. All right. Uh, the anime for this week is Little Busters. And the first episode is named, the team name will be The Little Busters. Yeah, uh, so this is our first sports anime. Oh, no. <laughs> it's about baseball. <laughs> uh, wait, yep. do Japanese people play baseball? They play a lot of baseball, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I am familiar with the show. I have not seen it because I don't like sports anime. <laughs> so, <laughs> nor uh, do I like sports. This will be my first sports anime. Oh, really? Yeah. So this will be interesting. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's our show for the week. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, be sure to rate and subscribe and share our podcast wherever you can. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye, everyone. So I really like the characters that design. Kayla really likes the character designs. Very good character designs. Okay, you know what? Now I'm going to kick you. <laughs>